Well, I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. Today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from historic Roan County, Tennessee. All right, guys, where do we even start? So many things happening, so many newsworthy stories. I probably just need to hit a few headlines and then jump into the uh, more important topics. Uh, For example, Whoopi Goldberg is biting mad, and she could just bite through nails right now. And most recently, she's issuing a very stern warning to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. You see... Clarence, uh, he needs to be concerned because the very way that he's thinking, the very words that he wrote in his concurrence could have the government coming for him next. Because, after all, Clarence is married to, (gasps) gasp, a white woman. See, once again, proving that the left still doesn't understand or 
or maybe they do understand, and they're just simply intentionally misleading a bunch of people that they know don't understand and to making them to believe that just because the Supreme Court says that an issue is not a federal issue, that doesn't mean that it's illegal. It's just not a federal issue. Leave it to the states, and if the states want to ban something, then it's up to you to go do the hard work of changing the hearts and minds of the majority of the citizens in your home state so that they will then in turn elect individuals that will do the will of those people and change the laws you don't like. It's just that simple, but it's hard work. It's harder work, they think, than just having the federal government cram stuff down on you. But to see the thing about that is it's closer to liberty. It's closer to freedom for you because you are governed by people who are closer to you, that are going to be more accountable to you, that your voice is going to matter more to, rather than just have some faceless nincompoop like Nancy Pelosi elbow your daughter out of a photo op. <laughs> you guys saw that, right? I was watching this, and you know, it doesn't look like a particularly violent nudge, but it's still kind of hard to tell if it was meant to be a gentle, hey, just over here kind of thing, or if it was a, this is my picture, be happy, I let you breathe here. Uh, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, the uh, Mexican-born representative uh, who was the first Republican to win in the Southern Texan uh, district, uh, who was sworn in. Uh, this was, uh, of course, an emergency election to fill a vacated slot. She's Republican, and she's Hispanic. And that just was two things you know when put together had to be making Nancy so angry already. And this photo, I tell you, if you haven't seen it, just go look for it. Go over to YouTube or go over to um, to Rumble, which is where I would prefer you go. And I'd rather you follow my show over at Rumble. Look for Tap Into The Truth. And uh, just put in the little search bar, Nancy Pelosi elbows little girl. Uh, it will come up. You will see it. Uh, you decide. So, you know, we got that going on. We've got Gavin Newsom and California Democrats uh, out there claiming that the true pro-life agenda is something they're going to be defending, and they made it a big part of their uh, upcoming budget complaint. We've got D.C. homicide surging, fastest rate in nearly two decades. No one's surprised by this. We've got major retailers uh, preparing to take action in response to huge demand spike for uh, the Plan B pill, uh, you know, uh, abortion uh, after the fact kind of thing. We've got uh, things going on like Kevin Sorbo out there uh, challenging critics, the folks that are saying that old white men can't decide Roe v. Wade. Yeah, he's challenging. We got Joe Biden uh, having folks compare this year's 4th of July cookout prices to last year's when he was bragging about saving that 16 cents. You remember that? We've got former Attorney General William Barr warning that Western civilization is facing its deepest 
crisis uh, in decades, possibly, uh, possibly ever. We got Kamala Harris saying some ridiculous stuff on CNN, but at least she didn't keep repeating herself as much as she normally does. We do have the great news of uh, Joseph Kennedy, the football coach who got his on-field prayer case all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, eh, you know what, you have a right to do that. We've got Amazon employees uh, begging management to stop doing business in pro-life states. Hey, guys, you might want to stop and think about what that might mean for your job. Because if you only do business in blue states, if you only do businesses that want abortion up until the time of birth, and in some cases, maybe even immediately after birth, then you're going to find yourself not doing business in as many states as you might think. You cut that Amazon bottom line that deeply, yeah, there's going to have to be some changes made in staffing. Just throwing that out there. Uh, something on the offbeat, we had John Hinckley Jr. saying that Reagan was a good president and that now he's glad his assassination attempt didn't work. Uh, just some of these crazy things. we got AOC out here encouraging pregnant women to dodge abortion laws. We've got Brown University banning white and Asian students from new classes. Uh, headline out there, only 19% of business leaders are optimistic as recession fears loom. We've got a, a rising Canadian uh, comedian uh, dying suddenly at 32. We've got a German man who's 101 years old who was sentenced to prison for being an accessory to 3,500-plus murders. We've got folks in the... Uh, DeSantis administration standing up for Clarence Thomas against Hillary Clinton's little uh, rant that she made about uh, the Supreme Court justice. We've got Elizabeth Warren out here wanting Planned Parenthood to put up tents inside a national park. And, uh, you know, I think we probably should should start right there. Uh, also, just on a side note, if you happen to be in the state of Tennessee, courts did rule that the Tennessee six-week abortion ban uh, can take effect immediately. So that is the law in the state of Tennessee now. So welcome to, what is it, Gilead? Gilead? Whatever it is. The Handmaid's Tale, uh, what the United States came in, turned into. You know, here, here we are. The fact that there's still exceptions at all tells you that that's not exactly where we are. But yeah, let's let's take a look at this Elizabeth Warren thing. Elizabeth Warren literally wants to put Planned Parenthood inside national parks. Now, I suppose this is on par with the recommendation of possibly sending additional doctors to military bases in states that are going to have a lot of restrictions on abortions. Uh, this is her bright idea. So uh, Warren was out there saying, and she was doing this on Monday, and she's out there saying that the federal government should sidestep any state laws regarding uh, abortion. If, if any state laws are regulating tightly, if they're putting restrictions on, they should sidestep them by allowing Planned Parenthood to put outposts 
to set up these on the outskirts of national parks. Now, they don't even want to put them into the park. They don't want to make them have to actually go to the park, see the beauty of nature, maybe have some contemplative moments. Just barely drive up, barely get into the outskirts where you're technically you're on federal land. And here's another kind of question. I know they seem to think that all federal land is exempt from state laws, but is that necessarily true? That's something I need to check on because uh, I've read conflicting opinions on that, and I've seen conflicting judgments in various courts. So I'm not even 100% sure that that really matters, and it may depend more on which park and where you're located. So that might be flawed right out the gate. Not that we expect the lady who spent so much of her life thinking that she was part Cherokee uh, to uh, to have a, a grasp on reality. I mean, we, we didn't call her Senator Pocahontas for no reason. Uh, it, it does seem kind of funny that she wants folks to return to the national parks. Now, Warren reportedly made these comments to the Washington Post uh, – who now officially has an abortion reporter, uh, uh, Kathleen uh, uh, Kitchener? Uh, Kitchener? Uh, Kitchener. Kitchener. Sorry, Caroline. I really don't mean to butcher your name. Uh, although I kind of feel bothered by the fact that you are the abortion reporter. Anyway, uh, Warren making these comments uh, was calling on barely there Beijing Biden and his administration to set up in the wake of the Supreme Court's six to three ruling in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, which, of course, resulted in a 5-4 decision overturning Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Uh, quoting here, I just spoke with Elizabeth Warren who suggested the Biden administration establish Planned Parenthood outpost on the edges of national parks. They could put up tents, have trained personnel, and be there to help people who need it. It's time to declare a medical emergency. Yeah. Okay, so Warren has been outspoken on the issue, to say the least, since long before the court's ruling came down this past Friday. Warren was attending protest in the days after the early opinion draft was leaked, which at that point aligned pretty closely with the final decision. She said then that, quote, I'm angry because of who will pay the price for this. Yes, all those horrible little children who will now be born. What a terrible price. You're not going to die, little baby. Anyway, sorry that I just, when I hear somebody say something like that, I get a little carried away. Continuing with the quote, it will not be wealthy women. Wealthy women can get on an airplane. They can fly to another state. They can fly to another country. They can get the protection they need. Except Elizabeth, I most other countries around the world, while there is a general acceptance of abortion in lots of different places, they're usually way more restrictive than what the Democrats want for the United States. In fact, way more respect, uh, restrictive than what we had uh, in the Casey ruling, which of course came after Roe 
and kind of did away with that first trimester ideology and tried to put the viability standard in place. Anyway, I, 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 I'm going to get back to it. We can fly to another country, you know, to get the protection they need. Back to quoting Warren. And she said, at one such protest, her voice breaking, yeah, for dramatic effect, I'm sure, this will fall on the poorest women. This will fall on the young women who've been abused, who were victims of incest. This will fall on those who have been raped. This will fall on mothers who are already struggling to work three jobs to be able to support the children they have. Then, by the time you got three kids, Liz, uh, shouldn't you have some idea of what causes that? <laughs> shouldn't you have some idea of how to avoid it? I mean, if you can't afford another kid, nothing teaches you how not to, um, how much you can afford and you can't, then raising three children and being poor. I mean, you learn in a hurry. It's going to fall on those who have been raped, who victims of incest. I'm sorry, I see a lot of these laws that are being put in place where there are still exemptions for those things. So, I, you know, I tend to think you're probably just intentionally lying. I... I know you're a relatively smart lady, Elizabeth. I mean, you don't get to be a law professor at Harvard by being a moron. You have proven yourself to be a liar on multiple occasions. And talking about your own uh, resume as far as being a working mother, not being able to do this, blah, 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 blah. Woo, 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 woo. Uh, and if you happen to be Native American and find that offensive, remember, I'm just emulating Elizabeth Warren. That's not directed at you. It's it's red herrings and blue uh, bullshite. Uh, that's what that is. The Massachusetts liberal is far from the only member of Congress who's proposing workarounds for people who are trying to skirt the new laws, restricting abortions in the wake of the Supreme Court's ruling, but she is one of the loudest. One of the other really loud ones? Well, it's everybody's favorite Democratic Socialist Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. She, AOC, has also shared tips and directions for young women who are trying to obtain abortions in states where they are either restricted or just no longer legal. I don't think there are any states where it's entirely banned. I just think you probably need a good reason to get one. And like I just said, here in Tennessee is one of the most strict, and you've still got six weeks. Uh, within five weeks of being pregnant, you have most likely missed two periods, right? It's enough to be of concern. You've at least noticed that one is significantly late. If you're running the risk, if you're engaging in behavior that might lead to pregnancy and you miss your first period, you probably need to go right then to see a doctor, have a test. Don't just do the at-home thing and then procrastinate. Go get the real deal and uh, see. And then you still have time to mercilessly, mercilessly, English is my first language, I swear, <laughs> to mercilessly eradicate and extinguish that new life that has begun inside your womb. You've got time. 
But, you know, they're saying this. Uh, Ocasio said that it is possible that states who criminalize people who get abortions may begin to take advantage of digital surveillance to track people. Yeah, it's funny that she was suggesting this when it came to people who didn't want to get the stab. But now she's worried it might be used by folks that are like, hmm. Maybe you should not be getting just uh, abortions. Uh, maybe you should not just be murdering preborn baby humans as a matter of convenience to you, which is where most people really fall on this. The congresswoman shared advising women in impacted states to delete any apps that could track their menstrual cycles. I I'm not surprised that there are these apps. I was not aware of these apps. I'm concerned that she is concerned about these apps. Now, we talked a little bit about Elizabeth Warren uh, saying she wanted to pack the court immediately. And according to the White House spokesperson, Miss Jean-Pierre, she came out over the weekend. She wasn't reading anything, so that should be suspect, I would say. She said, uh, Joe Biden's still not on board with court packing. Now she had to come out speaking for the White House, uh, suggesting that Elizabeth Warren's recommendation of opening up Planned Parenthood outpost uh, to develop abortion services at national parks, eh, they kind of put the kibosh on that too. So addressing the issue during a Tuesday press gaggle, Aboard Air Force One, she said, quote, I think we talked about this the other day, about, you know, building some kind of facility on federal lands. Are you any further along in terms of exploring these options? And would it be possible to come, uh, I'm sorry, to some agreement with tribes to use tribal lands? Uh, a reporter asked Miss Jean-Pierre. Now, the press secretary noted at that point, quote, we understand the proposal is well-intentioned, but here's the thing. It could actually put women and providers at risk. Jean-Pierre then added that the move could lead to potential prosecution or persecution. I'm sorry. I, the words are similar. And I need to put my glasses on. <laughs> uh, continuing her quote, and importantly, in the states where abortion is now illegal, women and providers who are not federal employees, as you look at the federal lands, could be potentially be prosecuted. So basically saying that there's still that debate ongoing. It's like uh, if you go and you haven't left the state, then you still committed the crime in the state. So just going on to federal land where they can't necessarily stop it doesn't mean that you left the state where it's not illegal. You still committed the crime in the state. And I think there's a lot of room for that argument to be made. I just find it interesting that the White House keeps trying to smack down everything Elizabeth Warren puts out there. Now, first of all, these things that Elizabeth Warren are saying are pretty dumb. We're used to that from Miss Warren at this point. She's not dumb, but she says a lot of dumb things, at least since she ran for president. 
and is still currying favor. She wants to be something special. I don't blame her. I do, however, think that uh, if she really wants to stand out, she needs to recognize what it is that's hurting the Democratic Party. She needs to continue to be a Democrat, but move forward in a way that makes more sense for the average American. Because here's the terrible, terrible truth about abortion in this country. There are a large number of Christians, myself among them, that believe in the sanctity of life. We don't like the idea on personal religious grounds that abortion would be permitted. Now you're going to say, Tim, you're a white hetero male. You shouldn't shouldn't even have an opinion on this matter. Well, I have an opinion that's informed from biblical teaching and that is deeply embedded in me that even before I became more in tune with my faith, that I felt instinctively that life is worth defending, that we should try and protect our fellow man from harm as best we can, and especially those who are in the, the least position to defend themselves. And I think the preborn babies are chief among those. Older folks, really young folks, and not yet born folks, but uh, we know that they are people. No matter how some folks on the left want us to spin it, we know they are human beings. You ain't got to like that fact, but you sure need to recognize that fact, guys. I still stand firm on the fact that the, uh, the Supreme Court, they didn't end abortion. They didn't. They simply sent this back to the states, which is where it should have always been. They corrected the error that was Roe v. Wade and then later on Casey. It's not a state issue. I'm sorry, it's not a federal issue. It is a state issue. The federal government has no authority on this matter. The federal government, and you can say whatever you want to about trying to stretch out whatever you think the meanings are included. Well, surely this means that too. No. The Constitution was written specifically for the purpose of letting the federal government know exactly what the limits of its authority was. If it's not an enumerated power, then you got no business doing anything about it. It is appropriate for the federal government to simply say, we got no dog in the fight, and leave it at that. I'm hearing people out there screaming that we, we're regressing. No, we're correcting an error. Just like we corrected an error when the Supreme Court ruled that slaves were property and that private property rights uh, trump everything else and that uh, uh, these individuals could not be looked at legally as people. We corrected that error. I didn't hear a lot of complaints about it. I think now you could remove uh, 
certain constitutional amendments that were part of the uh, rebuilding after the Civil War. And I don't think you're going to see any state suddenly move towards trying to reestablish slavery. I don't think a lot of what we're being told we have to worry about, we actually have to worry about. The contraception issue, I don't think there's very many states that are suddenly going to start saying, well, no, young people who aren't married can't have contraception, or uh, married couples that are of childbearing ages can't have contraception because the state has a vested interest in population growth. I don't think you're going to see those attempts at restrictions, what people's actions are in the bedroom. Now, you're going to have plenty of people try to scare you, saying, whoa, they're coming for you. The religious right is on the rise. They're trying to separate the wall between church and state. There was never supposed to be a wall there, boys and girls. Again, with the uh, Coach Kennedy, his case, all he was doing was praying after a football game. That's all he was doing. He has that right. He has that right. He doesn't have a right to force anyone else to join him. But according to everybody who spoke on the matter, nobody was being forced to. Nobody. He was being forced to hide his faith in God. Period. The court made the right ruling. That doesn't mean we're suddenly becoming a theocracy or that there's an effort to do so. Because, again, that's constitutionally not permitted. It's just not – that is something that um, is laid out, again, in the uh, Constitution. That's literally in the First Amendment. Congress shall pass no law in the establishment of a religion. We can't have one national religion. But you know what? The way the Constitution works, if a few states suddenly, if Pennsylvania suddenly decided uh, we're all going to be Quakers, we're going to return to our roots. You're either a Quaker or you have to go into hiding uh, when it comes to your, uh, Technically, that is something the state could do. But I don't think you're going to see suddenly uh, Pennsylvania becoming a Quaker or becoming uh, Amish. I don't think you're going to suddenly see uh, the Mormon church take over the state of Utah. Now, in a lot of ways, they kind of do already, but not at a forced <laughs> compulsory religious level. They're not going to pass a law that says you must attend the official church of this state. They're just not going to do it. This is America. I'm just – I'm glad that the White House is smacking these ideas down. I get a little nervous about some of the things that they have not yet smacked down. All right, let's take that mid-hour break before it gets any later. You guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back on the other side of this brief break. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Perfect union. 
you ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Years ago, I first broached the idea of starting and promoting Heterosexual Month. The time has come before it's too late. I believe that this certainly must be brought to fruition. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. At one time, I was happy to have been born on June 21st. After all, the 21st marks the beginning of summer. Yep, and the month of June was once known as the month of more marriages between men and women than any other month. Of course, those of us who love Dad couldn't wait to honor him on Father's Day. But in more recent years, June has become polluted with prideful beings who once said that they only wished to be tolerated, then accepted, and now seek to queeritize all of America and have joined forces with intolerant leftists of all stripes who seek to obliterate all vestiges of good moral principles, belief in God, the traditional family, and with the permission of sick leftist-leaning parents, are recruiting children, including little toddlers, utilizing methods that are heartbreaking to all who believe children should be brought up in the way that they should go so that they do not depart. Yes, my fellow Americans, Heterosexual Month is a good idea. What say you? Let me know via Ron Edwards at edwardsnotebook.com. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Things that you say on the world stage keep getting walked back. They're much getting walked back. It made it sound like, just in the last couple days, uh, it sounded like you told U.S. troops they were going to Ukraine. It sounded like you said it was possible the U.S. would use a chemical weapon, and it sounded like you were calling for regime change in Russia, and we know... None of the three occurred. None of the three occurred? None of the three. With the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts, and I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when they, uh, Russia moved into uh, in, in the southeast, southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there. Sometimes you've been there. And we know none of the three occurred. Weapons. Could, if chemical weapons were used in Ukraine, would that trigger a military response from NATO? It would, re- it would trigger a response in kind. And we know none of the three occurred. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. And we know none of the three occurred. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president. Yes, indeed. Woe is me. And how I wish that I could forget that Joe Biden is sitting in the White House. The pain 
is something that even LT Painmaster isn't going to be able to help with. Yes, that's right, LT Painmaster. LT Painmaster brand CBD creams and topicals are the only hemp-derived products approved to carry the name of the NFL Hall of Famer, Lawrence Taylor. These items were made to tackle the toughest aches and pains. That's right, developed with athletes in mind by athletes. The LT Pain Master is specifically formulated to help alleviate aches and pains from high-intensity activities and sports. It's a CDB pain cream made for athletes, designed for the toughest, the biggest, the baddest. Lawrence Taylor approved. Lawrence Taylor picture on the jars. Yes. Check the link in the show description. You can click it. It should be clickable pretty much anywhere. And take a look at the entire line of LT Pain Master products over at DiamondCBD.com. So uh, follow the link so they know I sent you. That's all I'm asking. Let's get back to the action, shall we? All right. There's this other big story that I think is getting some attention by some folks, but not enough attention by most. And that's the story of the tractor trailer where 46 illegal migrants were found smuggled in the back of a tractor trailer in San Antonio, Texas, where they, well, they died. Now, three people have been taken into police custody at this point, but this is being uh, referred to as the deadliest smuggling incident in American history. We're talking about, uh, according to the Mexican Foreign Secretary, citing information provided by U.S. authorities, we're talking about a death toll that was at least 50 now, including 22 Mexican citizens, seven Guatemalan citizens, and two Honduran citizens. Uh, that, according to information from ABC News. 48 people died on the scene and two died at hospitals. The federal law enforcement officers who spoke with CNN said this, and they noticed that this toll was preliminary, meaning they fully expect more of these folks to not make it. High temperatures in San Antonio on Monday, the day this was found, ranged somewhere between the 90s and the low 100s. This according to the National Weather Service. 16 people in the truck, which was found near Interstate 95, 16 survived and were taken for medical treatment. The deadliest human smuggling incident prior to Monday occurred back in May 13 of 2003. That's when 18 migrants died. This, of course, also according to an article from CNN. The dead bodies were hot to the touch, Fire Chief Charles Hood from San Antonio said, adding that there were no signs of water in the vehicle and no visible working AC unit on the rig. This is nothing short of a horrific human 
tragedy. This was Mayor Ron uh, Ninerberg. I'm probably butchering Ron's last name, but the San Antonio mayor. The deaths come amid a surge in migration at the border, with the latest U.S. Customs and Border Protection figures showing that immigration arrests there in May rose to the highest levels ever recorded. The agency is on pace to surpass the record 1.73 million border arrests tallied back in 2021. The truck had U.S. and Texas Department of Transportation registration numbers on the cab, according to the Post. Horrified at the tragic loss of life near San Antonio, U.S. Customs and Border Protection Commissioner Chris Magnus said in a tweet, This speaks to the desperation of migrants who would put their lives in the hands of callous human smugglers who show no regards for human life. As temperatures start to rise in the summer, human smugglers will continue to exploit vulnerable populations and recklessly endanger the lives of migrants for financial gain. Magnus also said prior to the incident that the terrain along the southwest border is extreme. The summer heat is severe, and the miles of desert that migrants must hike after crossing the border, well, they're unforgiving. Quoting here, I hate to say this, but some of these kids are rented out by parents who can't afford to pay the coyotes to the cartels. This was GOP Representative Andy Biggs of Arizona. He also said, quote, so they let their kids be used over and over again to create these false family units. All of that horrific inhumanity that goes on when you don't secure your border. Now, the updated news here is that these three people have been taken into custody. Uh, three people who were responsible for this. It is a horrific event. The left are already saying, do you see how horrible our immigration laws are where these people feel like they still have to do this just to come here for a better life? But you see, that's the lie. That is the lie. And then some of the people saying it believe it to be true, but that doesn't make it true. It just makes them mistaken. A lot of people are led to believe that compassion means that we have to let these people come in. When in truth, real compassion would be to give them better support and better capabilities to fix things at home. A situation that we're simply not in a position to do now because Biden and his lackeys, those in the administration with all these uber-leftist policies, they have put America dead last, and our economy is still going down the drain. Things are getting worse and worse. Honestly, if you guys don't start buying some of these products at a, at a clip that uh, I can uh, make enough to, to supplement income here – uh, this show may be in danger because I'm not going to be able to afford access to the Internet or maybe even electricity for much longer. 
And I'm far from the only one in that position. I'm really going to be in trouble when I can't afford to put gas in my car anymore to drive to work and back. Don't think uh, my current employer is going to let me just uh, set up a, a shack in the back and let me broadcast from there at night. I mean, if I ask really nice, he might let me broadcast from there. But I, I, I don't know. I don't suspect he would want to... The, the world to know, oh, yeah, he's broadcasting from there. Let's shut him down and let's stop buying from this guy because, you know, how the left are. But, but the truth of the matter here is this is because of the open border policy. This is because we don't have any type of southern border at all, and we really don't. They're going through the motions, and they put our Border Patrol folks out there just so they can collect these folks, process them, and send them into the country's interior parts unknown, wherever they want to go, on the taxpayer dime, no less. This has to come to an end. Even the most soft-hearted of the leftiest lefty has to understand that at some point, the United States is simply no longer able to support doing anything good for her citizens, let alone anybody that doesn't legally belong here. Whereas previous to this influx, we were in a position that if we just controlled our southern border, we could do more to help them at their point of origin. We should be a better and a stronger influence in Central and Southern America. South America needs more United States of America and less China less Russia. Central America needs more United States of America and less China, less Cuba. They do. We need to be pro-America here in the United States again. We need to understand flawed past, yes, yes, we haven't always been great. We haven't always lived up to the promises that are laid out in the Declaration that are established in the Constitution. We haven't always been there. But if you watch, you steadily, if you pay attention to history, you see the steady march towards getting there. You see how far we've come together. I know I've given this speech before, but for the love of all that's holy in heaven, it is the truth. And yet some people are out there saying, oh, well, you know, the Constitution is kind of garbage. No, sir, your brain is kind of garbage if you actually believe that. And you're just kind of garbage if you don't believe it, but you're still out there saying it. And I'll stand by that. This policy on the border is what leads to this because these people are trying to avoid having to be processed. These people are trying to avoid being... Uh, put in having some type of record of their entrance into the country because then should an actual honest to goodness American president be elected and some folks get elected into the House and to the Senate that believe we should have border control, you know, for national security purposes, uh, for economic reasons, uh, for health and human service reasons, and, you know, just for the very notion of being a good neighbor to some of our uh, nearest uh, countries that uh, we would like to get along with. 
We get those folks in place, and all of a sudden, if there's any kind of record at all, somebody might show up looking for them. So they would rather risk all of this to get a chance to get part of the free ride. They get in here. They assume a new identity. They're stealing Social Security numbers. Hell, they may not even be stealing them anymore. I wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, freaking Alexandria Casio cortez and Ilhan Omar aren't going door-to-door in cities, uh, in neighborhoods where they know there's a high concentration of illegals to say, here, here's your new identity, uh, and uh, now just don't forget your new name and you'll be fine. Wouldn't surprise me in the least. Now, it would surprise me if uh, AOC was going by herself and then managed to come back. I, I don't think that would be a good idea. She needs to take another squad member with her. It's the only way she makes it back. I, I actually think Rashida Tlaib would be best at that, but I think her priorities lie elsewhere, so she probably wouldn't be part of that. I'm just, I'm just spitballing here, though. I, I think they stand together on most stuff, but yeah, regardless, this is more than a human tragedy. This is a tragedy of a failure of policy. That is the Joe Biden legacy at this point. That is the legacy that every Democrat is going to have to to share as well. And the fact that most of them know that's pretty evident based on the fact that so few of them want Joe Biden out there campaigning with them. And speaking of Joe Biden, here's a bit of breaking news that I guarantee you is being suppressed as much as possible by the mainstream legacy media. We now have clear-cut evidence that Joe Biden did, in fact, speak with Hunter Biden about his business deals, uh, where uh, Hunter struck a, some type of uh, big-time deal with the Chinese businessman. There is a voicemail left by Joe to Hunter and was found on Hunter Biden's abandoned laptop. The elder Biden, at that point in time out of office, called Hunter up on December 12th of 2018, soon after the New York Times published a story on one of Hunter's business partners. Uh, the guy was the chairman of the Chinese energy giant CEFC. Joe left a voicemail to his son saying that he wanted to speak about the article, adding, quote, I think you're clear. <laughs> I don't think you're going to get caught up in this. This is according to a copy of the voicemail reported by the Daily Mail. The voicemail contradicts the White House's and the current president's claims that he never spoke with his son about Hunter's multiple overseas business dealings. Never did it. Didn't happen. Never, never would. The president said on the voicemail, quote, hey, pal, it's dad. It's 8.15 on Wednesday. Now, this seems really convenient. I guess he, Hunter may have a, an issue returning messages. It's like, hey, th not only is this me calling you, but this is when I called you, so you know to get your butt back in touch with me soon. Now, this is something you would do if you knew your son was prone to uh, going on drug-fueled binges where he would spend days at a time out of touch. So I, it's not that unusual to say this, uh, despite the fact that some folks have already tried to debunk that. Oh, he would never say. It's on there. 
It's 8.15 on Wednesday night. If you get a chance, just give me a call. Nothing urgent. I just wanted to talk to you. I thought the article released online, it's going to be printed tomorrow in the Times, was good. I think you're clear. And anyway, if you get a chance, give me a call. I love you. Now, the New York Times included uh, references to Hunter's discussions with this Chinese business person and one of his top lieutenants, the former vice chairman, Patrick Ho. Ho was arrested in the United States in 2017 and later sentenced to three years in prison for violating the Foreign Corruption Practices Act. <sighs> prior, to, prior to all that, it was suspicious to begin with. The federal government was keeping an eye on Hunter and all these things that he was doing. But this is a freaking smoking gun. Once again, proving that barely there, Beijing Biden wouldn't know the truth if it came up and bit him on the nose. He's been a plagiarist his entire career. He's been a liar his entire career. And I love the fact that the left keeps saying, oh, Donald Trump this, Donald Trump there. And Joe Biden is literally 10 times worse with plenty of easy-to-find evidence, easily 10 times worse than Donald Trump on everything they whine about. He's corrupt. He's in the bag for foreign countries, especially China. He's done so many things to trade on his name, sold, influenced, peddled, influenced, let his son... And his brother peddle his influence. And now we have the recording. Where he's literally talking about how it looks like you're clear. Meaning he knew something was going on. He was afraid that Hunter was going to get caught up in all this illegal activity. And that particular moment in time he wasn't in office. But we know what he was doing the entire time that Joe was vice president. Hunter was a, a cash man going around picking up bags of cash for the Biden family empire, the criminal family empire. He didn't recuse himself from anything. He didn't tell Hunter, you can't do these things. In fact, they just found a new way for Hunter to, to launder money through his art. How do you value a piece of art? Well, I'll tell you, if I like it, I'll say I like it. If it's good enough, I might drop a few dollars to, to bring something home with me. But I'm not about to uh, go to a foreign country and randomly buy somebody's art for ridiculous sums of money Unless I think there's something in it for me. Now, I doubt seriously some of the people that have been buying his art are really just art lovers. And you can't tell me. They don't have a pretty good idea of exactly who it is. But here we are, man. LT Pain Master, take me away. Good grief. Don't forget to follow the link in the show description. And if you cannot follow the link in the show description for any reason, 
Uh, later on, just visit me at Tap Into The Truth. That's T-A-P-P, Into The Truth, all one word, dot com. And when you land on the homepage, scroll past recent guests, which I need to update because I had Ron on and I haven't got that updated on the website yet. Uh, scroll down past that, you'll start seeing banners and good stuff, and you will see stuff for Diamond CDB, uh, CBD, I should say. Um, just check it out. All right. In the meanwhile, this has to be the end of the first hour. If you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Hour number two will come up right after this. If you're listening on terrestrial radio, however, uh, remember to tune in tomorrow at the same time, and you'll get to hear hour number two of tonight's podcast. In the meanwhile, don't don't take my word for any of it. Not a bit. But don't take their word either. Put in some time, a little bit of effort, and use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, a final message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. before I go. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, Brandon. Hey. Let's go, let's go, hey. state clan taught to praise the little man told that union saved the working class he was raised a red state son to love the flag and own a gun warned about the greed within the mass they met beneath the moonlit sky a college party drunk and high and when they had degrees they said their vows he couldn't say when, couldn't say how, couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. Learned to hate the public schools Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago A happy little cabin in the west they homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why, they're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're 
different in your eyes I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. The USA is in a crucial stage. Because of foreign wars we wage has more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border and Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led Gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense, they say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. All the unions always ask for more. Is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into The Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you from beautiful, lovely, scenic, historic Roan County, Tennessee. Yes, that's right. I am here in the land of Gilead. I think that's how they say it. You know, the... Uh, fictitious place in a handmaid's tale as Tennessee has its abortion restriction law saying that after six weeks no 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 
Yes, yes. One of the more restrictive, but not the most restrictive uh, new law of the land with the demise of Roe v. Wade and the demise of Casey versus Planned Parenthood. Yes, indeed. But uh, that doesn't mean that the uh, federal government doesn't have their hands full trying to find workarounds. I'm going to share a little opinion piece that I wrote that has not, as of yet, showed up anywhere after I discuss a little bit about these two related stories that I'm going to bring to you first. So we're going to jump right in right there. Hang on to your hats, boys and girls. Uh, before I do that, though, I want to remind those of you that are listening on terrestrial radio, there's a really good chance that you're hearing this broadcast. Uh, this hour of the broadcast, this is being the second hour of a two-hour live broadcast, uh, you're hearing it uh, probably a couple of days removed from its uh, point of origin. It happens to be June 28th, 2022 at the time I am behind this microphone right now. So there's your on-air timestamp. And uh, that way, if anything drastic's happened between now and then, you'll know that uh, if anything has become dated, that's why. All right, so the Biden administration is considering which means they're working on plans trying to figure out how they get around uh, the Hyde Amendment and a few other things. But they're considering using U.S. taxpayer dollars to pay for women in states where abortion may be outlawed to travel to obtain abortions where they will not be outlawed. A move that's sure to raise legal questions in the wake of Friday's decision striking down Roe v. Wade. The possibility was first floated by Health and Human Services Secretary Javier. Or actually, is it Xavier? It is Xavier, not Javier. It's Xavier Becerra. Anyway, this past Sunday, he and Kamala Harris, in a CNN interview, both says that the details were being worked out, which means they're trying to find a way to keep them from getting their own backsides in a sling because they know presently U.S. taxpayer dollars cannot be used for the purpose of abortion. It simply cannot be done. Now, they've already... No, 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 no. I have put that in my op-ed, so I'm going to save that for later. Let's just say that they have found workarounds in the past. They've used accounting tricks to make it work, claiming that, yes, Planned Parenthood does perform abortions, and yes, we're giving taxpayer dollars to Planned Parenthood, but Planned Parenthood isn't using those dollars, air quotes for the radio works real good, right? They're not using those dollars for the abortion, so that makes it okay. It's going to be really hard, though, to find workarounds if you're literally paying to shuttle people from point A, where they can't get the abortion, to point B, where they're going to get the abortion, and then presumably a round trip, bringing them back where all of a sudden they don't need an abortion anymore. think there's going to be some pretty easy-to-acquire evidence that the federal government has, in fact, broken the Hyde Amendment. Just saying. Uh, Becerra, oh no, I'm sorry, Harris, this is part of Harris's statement. Harris was on uh, Dana Bash's show on CNN. She said, this is something that we're looking at. I think 
you're asking a very important point. So you're asking a point. I would have thought she was asking a question, but yeah, we're talking about Kamala Harris, so uh, well, let's roll with it. I, I think you're asking a very important point, making a very important point, which is what are the details that are going to go into ensuring the women have the ability to actually travel without impairment. And we know that on this issue, women who have access to resources will probably be far less impacted by this decision than women who don't have resources. Isn't it cute how murdering preborn baby humans is the equivalent of protecting poor women? Uh, by the way, again, reminded you, not that I need to, but just uh, a week and a half ago, no one on the left could define what a woman was and still refused to define it for the purposes of talking about Walsh, just in case you're wondering. Now, Becerra, he first suggested the strategy uh, in a Sunday interview with NBC correspondent Kate Snow at the Aspen Institute. Snow asked Becerra, what the administration is doing in response to Friday's Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade and ending the federal right to abortion. Becerra, <clears throat> it is most macho of Becerra voices, said, quote, we are working with supporters on the ground. Okay, obviously Becerra doesn't talk like that. Okay, uh, I'm... I'm using the accent for comedic effect because if I don't laugh at these people, I'm going to want to lynch them. No, not run them out of town on a rail, not give them their due process because they don't want to give me due process. Uh, not give them the dignity of a firing squad, not giving them the uh, piece of lethal injection, not even letting them ride old Smarky. Just take them out there and let them know they're stupid. That's, that's where they put it. Anyway, Becerra said, we're working with supporters on the ground to make sure that we are providing services to women where we can. We are looking into everything, including assisting in transportation, something that HHS doesn't typically do. You know why they don't typically do it? Because it's illegal. And that's also why Snow, the reporter, asked immediately, can you do that? Legally? Now, the short answer is no. No, I can't. But Becerra's response is, talk to me later. He did a little wink, gave a little smile. The audience laughed. <laughs> he said, quote, I always tell my team at HHS, if you've done your homework, then we have no right to do mild. And so we're going to be aggressive and go all the way. And I would tell you, you're recording, so I won't tell you. <laughs> Translation, uh, he knows right now they don't legitimately have a plan. Or if they do have a plan, they know that it's highly illegal and they don't have a plan yet for figuring out how to cover the illegality of it. Not that uh, being a lawless band of uh, radical maniacs has ever bothered the folks that work in this administration in their past, but some of them are probably now for the first time in their lives a little concerned that maybe – 
there is some legitimacy returning to our judicial system. And given an election or two, they might actually have to pay a consequence. So, yeah, better tread lightly here, guys. Certainly can't say out loud. I mean, worst case scenario is they fully believe they're going to get away with it, and they just don't want to give a heads up to the conservatives out there who might uh, stop them in their little evil, dastardly plans if we were to know what they were up to too soon. So when Snow told him that it was on the record, Becerra replied, we are looking at every option, and that includes transportation. Now, looking at every option is not an acknowledgement that they're going to do anything wrong. So he's very careful. Yes, it's on the record. While the high court's decision did not outlaw abortion and simply left it to states to regulate, Several states are poised to ban the practice or roll back the gestation timeline in which they are permissible. Governors who support abortion, including one in California, one in New York, that one up in Illinois, they've vowed to help women from other states obtain abortions in their states. And you know what? Again, legally, those states are in a much better position to do that than anything at all regarding with the federal government. No member of the federal government should be involved in this kind of behavior. There are legal reasons why they should not. And again, we'll touch more on that down the road. But I want to spend a little more time focusing on what Becerra had to say. Because he followed that up by, say, by, by promising that his department plans to move as aggressively as it can to ensure that women can get abortions while complying with the law, uh, in quotations. Also said with a wink and a nudge and a smile. Secretary was very careful with his remarks. This press conference that uh, that he was giving, uh, the HHS secretary promised that they would include an announcement of action in response to the historic overturning of Roe v. Wade. He repeatedly told reporters that, quote, every option is on the table. Every option is on the table. But... He declined to specify whether he supported suggestions to open abortion clinics on federal lands or any other suggestions. He just didn't want to go into specifics. HHS is, quote, aware of a number of ideas and proposals, many of which have been considering internally for a while many of which we have been considering internally. He said that the department has not made any decisions yet because to acknowledge that they had would be an acknowledgement that um, they are now then colluding to violate federal laws. The Hyde Amendment in particular is the, the real law in question that'd be violated. But they also know that'd be based on the opinion 
that was laid down in Dobbs versus Jackson. They know they'd be breaking the spirit of the law. But they also know they'd be breaking the letter of the law if they can't find a viable workaround, which is exactly what they're doing. A viable workaround for the law that says simply uh, no federal taxpayer dollars pays for abortions. They do not help to facilitate them. The spirit of what the Supreme Court has said, federal government's got no domain here, has no business, can't be supporting it, can't be trying to restrict it, can't do either. That's all that it said, not the federal government's uh, domain. That's all they said. No rights were taken away. A right was bestowed under the mistaken Roe v. Wade. Just derived out of whole cloth. Just made up entirely. Even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said, um, Roe v. Wade's not exactly good jurisprudence. She said that multiple times during her career. She acknowledged it. It's a bad idea. It's not based on constitutional principle. Nobody says, ooh, this must be illegal. Everybody says, it's got to go to the states. That's it. Now, one reporter who was questioning the secretary pointed out that much of his remarks contained information already stated by the Biden administration in previous months. Asked point blank, can we expect more concrete steps? Are your hands tied? Again, this is even the reporter acknowledging that it sounds like you're planning to break the law. So the question is, is there really anything you can actually do, or are you willfully going to be breaking the law and you just simply can't comment about it? Because if you say too much now, a U.S. marshal might show up and take you into custody before you can pull off your shenanigans. Which is it? Sarah responded by telling the reporter that overturning Roe v. Wade upended 50 years of precedent. And despite that 50 years of precedent, that is still a minuscule amount of time in the history of the United States of America where abortion was much more heavily restricted than what is going to be restricted in, in the country moving forward. Is a minuscule amount of time. If 50 years compared to the entirety of the existence of the nation, eh, blink of an eye kind of thing. Sarah also said, you want to make sure that what you do is within the confines of the law. Now, he says this because he doesn't want to be arrested. Doesn't want to be impeached, removed from his position. Doesn't want to be fired when somebody calls out Biden and says, hey, you, you got to get you a new HHS secretary. This guy's talking about breaking the law. Because the Hyde Amendment is something that even a fair number of Democrats will stand up and support. They won't want to because they're trying to, hey, yeah, abortion is just another form of uh, cheap, easy birth control. Why should there be repercussions for your actions? That's just punishing you for a mistake. I'm looking at you, Barack Obama. So you want to make sure that what you do is within the confines of the law. Now, that's generally good advice, by the way. Maybe that's what you should actually be doing, Becerra. Anyway, after he insisted that, he said that we're not interested in going rogue and doing things just because. 
we want to make sure that we tell America that what we tell America is accurate. Friday's Supreme Court decision was despicable, but it was also predictable. HHS has been preparing for this for some time. Really? Was that even before your arrival there? I'm just wondering. And what exactly were you preparing for? Here's a better question for all those leftists that are out there screaming in the streets. Why would they feel the need to prepare for something that was honestly an actual federal issue and an actual, honest-to-goodness, constitutionally protected, God-given right? Well, you see, if they knew that to be the case, if they believed that was the case, they wouldn't have been prepared. There's no reason to prepare. What are you preparing for? An overturn that you would never imagine would happen in a million years? That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense at all. The Secretary announced the launch of the HHS Reproductive Access Task Force. This, of course, is to, quote, plan for every action necessary to protect women's access to reproductive health care. Pretty words for killing preborn baby humans. Said, quote, there's no magic bullet, but if there is something we can do, we will find it and we will do it at HHS. Indeed, that was the instruction I received from the President of the United States. Becerra then, of course, promised that the department would take steps to ease access to abortion drugs, claiming that federal law requires our programs to provide medication, abortion in limited circumstances, including life of the mother, rape, or incest. So they're looking at mailing the abortion pills. He wasn't done yet. He said, now more than ever, it is imperative that all federally supported programs and services are complying and providing this under the law. All services? All federally supported programs? Uh, no, no, that's, that's not their role. Becerra also said that he is directing the Office for Civil Rights to ensure patient privacy and non-discrimination for both patients seeking or providers performing abortions. So he's overstepping his authority, overstepping his mandate, because that's simply what he wants to do. That's the way he likes it. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. But the question is, what do you think? What are we going to allow? Why should we continue to allow it? These are all good questions, and they're questions that we should be not only asking, but demanding answers for uh, from our elected officials. There are plenty of people in positions of authority, in positions of power, that need to be held accountable. In fact, I will now read to you before ending this segment, as promised, a short op-ed that I wrote that uh, if you'll be on the lookout for my social media posting, I'll be sharing links to it when it does get uh, 
it does get printed, and I will guarantee you somebody's going to pick this one up. And it is titled, Is Xavier Becerra in the Department of Health and Human Services Planning to Break the Law? So at a formal press conference, Xavier Becerra revealed that he and other members of the Biden administration are looking to find ways to work around the recent Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization's case. Regarding the court's decision, which ended Roe v. Wade, Becerra called the result despicable and promised to expand abortion services. Becerra was intentionally vague, maybe to prevent people from pushing back, but he said he said that HHS is keeping all options on the table and insisted that HHS has been preparing for this for some time. He didn't stop short, I'm sorry, he did stop short of saying the department would participate in mailing abortion pills to states where the procedure is outlawed, but hinted that they might when he told reporters to stay tuned on that front. U.S. law prohibits federal dollars from directly funding abortion. This has been worked around uh, through the use of accounting tricks to justify sending federal taxpayer dollars to Planned Parenthood, claiming that those dollars aren't the ones being used to perform the abortions. But in truth, supporting any part of Planned Parenthood's activities endorses all of their activities. Given what Becerra seems to be hinting at, it would be much harder to use some trick to cover for flouting the Hyde Amendment, which is the specific provision preventing federal spending on abortion. The day before, at the Aspen Ideas Summit, Becerra said that HHS might participate in helping transport women who want abortions out of states with prohibitions into those with more permissive laws. Asked if that would be consistent with U.S. law, Becerra grinned and replied, quote, talk to me later. So does that mean that he believes this will somehow be made legal by a Democratic-controlled federal government? Or perhaps he believes that it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission, especially since recent history would suggest that he would not face any real consequences for breaking the law. No matter what Becerra or any other member of the Biden administration might be thinking, it is clear that either they do not understand what the court said in Dobbs versus Jackson or they're counting on you not understanding it. In either case, it should be alarming to all Americans, left-leaning or right-leaning, that the first instinct of these people when they do not get their way when they do not get what they want, they make plans to break the spirit of the law, if not the letter of the law. In this case, they wish to ignore the court's decision and break, slash, find a workaround for the Hyde Amendment. All to appease a small but very vocal, very loud part of the leftist base of the Democratic Party all in what still amounts to nothing more than a desperate effort 
to have something to run on in the upcoming elections. The fact that they expect us to obey the laws that they like, but then they do everything but personally oversee the planning of a night of rage when their authority is challenged, or, or better yet, when their authority is placed in check, well, that should tell you everything you need to know about their true intentions. It's not about protecting anyone. It's about them controlling everyone. You see, the Supreme Court, they didn't say that abortions are banned. They said that abortions are not a federal issue. They said that Roe was an opinion that was not well-reasoned or based on the Constitution, a view shared by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The Supreme Court ended nothing. They simply sent the matter back to where it had always belonged, to the state's. In doing so, they also made it crystal clear that the federal government should not play any role in restricting or enabling abortion in any part of the country. The court's decision would also serve to keep any effort by federal government to pass a law to codify abortion from standing. A bill that's signed into law that is in opposition to the findings of the court is likely to be struck down if it's challenged and then comes before that same court. No matter how you feel about the abortion issue, we should be able to agree that we cannot set back and allow the government to break the law. Xavier Becerra has said that he and his HHS are planning to do precisely that, to break the the law. The executive branch of the federal government is charged with executing the law, not ignoring the ones they don't like, not picking winners or losers, and not breaking it when they think it might get them more votes. We must watch all of the current administration and hold them accountable as appropriate. I don't think that's unreasonable, and I think accountability needs to be returned to the federal government. All right, let's take that mid-hour break, and uh, you know I'll be right back after this very brief, brief uh, group of messages. Come on, man! All men and women created by the gold. You know the, you know the thing. Lime dog face pony soldier. I got hairy legs. Many Americans have concluded that Joe Biden and Nasty Pelosi should be retired from office immediately. But when I look across the political aisle, in some cases, it's not much better. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, the Second Amendment plainly states a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not 
be infringed. Traditionally, Democrats are known to be the anti-liberty party on a mission to obliterate our unalienable right of self-protection. On the other hand, the Republican Party was founded to be in opposition to the Democrat Party's tradition of slavery. Certainly, physical slavery is abolished, but political and intellectual slavery is the Democrat Party's calling card today. Democrats have maintained their mission of tyranny, and Republicans have far too often run away from the original identity of liberty, being pro-Constitution and acknowledging God. Mitch McConnell, like many Republicans, is more willing to vote for the Democrat red flag gun control bill. That has nothing to do with stopping thugs or protecting innocent victims from cretins seeking to shed innocent blood. But rather, it undercuts the Second Amendment and takes guns away from legal gun owners. The chronic lack of strong masculine energy and a woeful approach to governing fuels the desperate need for change before it's too late. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. And finally, new rule. If something about the human race is changing at a previously unprecedented rate, we have to at least discuss it. Broken down over time, the LGBT population of America seems to be roughly doubling every generation. According to a recent Gallup poll, less than 1% of Americans born before 1946, that's Joe Biden's generation, identify that way. 2.6% of boomers do, 4.2% of Gen X, 10.5% of millennials, and 20.8% of Gen Z. Which means if we follow this trajectory, we will all be gay in 2054. I'm just saying that when things change this much, this fast, people are allowed to ask, what's up with that? All the babies are in the wrong bodies? Was there a mix-up at the plant, like with Captain Crunch's Oops All Berries? It wasn't that long ago when adults asked a kid, what do you want to be when you grow up? They meant, what profession? In the wake of America about to lose abortion rights, the ACLU recently tweeted a list of those who would be disproportionately harmed by this. You would think women might top that list. No, wasn't even on the list. Second on the list was LGBT. Really? Abortion rights affects gay and trans people more than, you know, breeders? I'm happy for LGBT folks that we now live in an age where they can live their authentic lives openly. And we should always be mindful of respecting and protecting. But someone needs to say it. Not everything's about you. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. It's all been done. It's all been done. It's all been done before. Yes, indeed, it has all been done before, except getting out there and making new memories. And the best way to do that is to, you know, 
go out there and, and do it. If you've got a family, I know right now with the Biden economy and everything, it's really, really hard. But if you can manage it, I highly recommend you do it, especially if you have children, because taking children outdoors and going camping and doing cool stuff might be the best way to get through to them why this country is worth saving. One of the things you probably ought to do, though, if you're going to go camping is prepare appropriately. You know, being responsible means doing what you need to do. Now, if you're going to take a short camping trip, I might recommend that uh, you may not need 10-day ice at half the price like what you're going to get from blue coolers. You might only need three, four days, maybe take a, a long weekend. We've got a long weekend coming up. Big three-day weekend coming up for the 4th of July for just about everybody. A few exceptions out there. In that case, maybe five-day ice at a fraction of the price would be more appropriate. And wouldn't you know it, new in 2022, Blue Coolers introduced their Cobalt line. They've added this line of lighter weight five-day ice coolers in order to try and make it easier to move them around and to try and make them a little more affordable when they're already the best value in coolers out there. Uh, So again, check them out. Uh, Today's link in the show description will take you directly to the page for the new Cobalt line, so you can look specifically at there. But if you're still looking for 10-day ice, once you're there, you can kind of move around the rest of the website and visit the other things. I'm just saying, uh, go to that page, look around at everything else they got, see what coolers are on sale, see what other products they have available. I would tell you to check out their survival kits because their Blue 72 backpacks were really awesome. But at the moment, those bad boys are sold out. So, yeah, you can still take a look at them. That certainly won't hurt. But it's probably going to be a minute or two before they come back online. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. But at any rate, check out the Cobalt line. Check out the regular blue coolers. Uh, Do whatever you need to do. Follow that link in today's show description. It will take you there. And in the meanwhile, if you can't for some reason right now, uh, scurry on over there and check it out. Like, I don't know, say you're listening on terrestrial radio, for example. In that case, later when you get the chance, Come visit me at tapintothetruth.com. That's T-A-P-P, intothetruth.com. And once you land on that homepage, scroll down past recent guests, and uh, then you'll see some banners for blue coolers. Click on any one of those, and that'll work just the same for you. You'll just have to look for the Cobalt line because I don't have a banner set up specifically for that on the webpage. Sorry about that. But they're not hard to find. In fact, you're kind of promoting them right now. So check that out. That'd certainly be worth your time. And uh, again, get out there and make some freaking memories, guys. Uh, Get out there and show your kids or your grandkids what makes America great. And uh, spoiler alert, that's you guys getting to do cool stuff. That's what makes America great. Go anywhere else in the world, not as much of that going on. All right, um, let's slide into this, uh, which is probably going to be the last story of the day, unless I end up going through this much faster than I expect, and I sneak another one in. Like I said, lots of stuff going on, plenty of things to talk about. But uh, this one kind of struck me funny when I first came across it this morning, and nothing's come along that's bumped it out of uh, that must-talk-about time slot (laughs) that I have to put on with the show. It appears that employees at Ernst & Young cheated 
on their ethics exam. This, of course, led to a $100 million fine. Uh, the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commissions uh, announced on Tuesday for Ernst & Young. Uh, EY, known as one of the big four accounting firms, admitted that a significant number of audit professionals cheated on their ethics portion of their certified public accountant exams and continuing education courses. That's according to a press release from the agency. The company also withheld evidence of the misconduct from officials. So once they realized that they had a lot of uh, folks part of their CPA program that showed the ethical character of cheating on the ethics portion of their test, they decided to take the very ethical step of trying to hide it. I guess I kind of don't blame them. I, I, I could see the temptation. Uh, you're trying to protect your reputation, and then these people that you expect to actually do the job kind of let you down, and mm, what else are you supposed to do? I mean, well, you know, other than come clean immediately, and maybe that would have saved you from uh, this ridiculously oversized fine. You probably would have still gotten some fines, but it would have been nowhere near this. Now, um, uh, here, according to the director of the SEC's enforcement decision, quote, this action involves breaches of trust by gatekeepers within the gatekeeper entrusted to audit many of our nation's public companies. It's simply outrageous that the very professionals responsible for catching, cheating by clients, cheated on ethics exams, of all things. It does seem kind of ironic, doesn't it? Now, EY will be forced to pay the $100 million penalty and engage in extensive undertakings to address the ethics breaches meaning that they're going to spend a lot more money trying to get these folks to uh, to fix the damage that's done. Now, Melissa, Melissa Hodgman, Associate Director of the SEC's Enforcement Division, uh, said that the SEC will not permit the submission of misleading information or any action that delays or frustrates our mandate to protect investors and our markets. Ernst & Young faces significant sanctions and extensive remediation to ensure that its culture and conduct meet the ethical standards required of those responsible for the integrity of our capital markets. EY, which is based in London, joins other leading corporations in denouncing racism and committing to social justice initiatives. EY is taking actions as a U.S. firm to eradicate racism and discrimination by leveraging our influence to drive strategic change in our firm. In the communities where we work and through public policy. Well, that's what you're going to find on the Ernst & Young website. 
seems like they might be more interested in social justice than professional ethics. Which actually makes kind of sense because given the nature of being an auditor that's supposed to be watching for cheating and misinformation, lies spread by companies that are publicly traded, uh, perhaps either by definition is instantly a breach of ethics there because as an auditor in that case, the only concern you're supposed to have is are the numbers correct? Do the numbers match? Is everyone involved meeting their fiduciary responsibilities? You see, meeting fiduciary responsibilities, by definition, flies in the face of ESG scoring. It flies in the face of the concept of using the markets to push a social justice uh, agenda. That's not to say that companies can't go out there, be socially conscious, become profitable, and help push it that way. Use the markets in that fashion to push their social justice agenda. But you cannot. You cannot go to some place like, I don't know, Philip Morris and think that you're going to push social justice. And expect to meet the fiduciary responsibility for that company. The two, they don't correspond. ESG scoring is never going to allow it, which is why ESG scoring should not be allowed. Change the hearts and minds of the consumer, and the company will change when the fiduciary responsibilities force it to. That's how you use the markets. Don't try to cheat. Now, EY is not the first left-leaning financial service company that's been penalized for its poor ethical standards, by the way. They're just right now the one setting the bar because this is a new record high. The SEC recently imposed a $1.5 million penalty on, uh, on uh, BNY Mellon for misstatements and omissions concerning its environmental, social, and governance social responsibility goals for various mutual funds the investment bank oversaw. In other words, they were promoting positive ESG score uh, mutual funds. And they weren't being forthright with the information of how those businesses in the funds uh, were really, uh, how well they were really performing on the financial side. Now, the agency said that the BYN Mellon's investment advisor practice represented or implied in various statements that all investments in the funds had undergone an ESG quality review between July of 2018 and September of 2021. Although, even that wasn't always the case. Likewise, former and current employees at Wells Fargo blamed the firm for conducting fake interviews with female and minority applicants to artificially increase diversity numbers. The employees said that the interviews were no more than attempts to support diversity goals and avoid regulatory audits. 
In August of 2020, Wells Fargo, Wells Fargo agreed to pay $7.8 million to settle a U.S. Department of Labor claim, saying that the bank discriminated against more than 34,000 African-American applicants for banking, customer sales and service, and administrative support positions, as well as over 300 female applicants for administrative supportive positions. Wells Fargo, however, joined other investment banks in their diversity pushes after the death of George Floyd. Good old St. George, still ruining America. Wells Fargo CEO Charlie Schaff said, quote, This is a painful time for our nation. Of course, he said that at the time. As a white man. As much as I can try to understand what others are feeling, I know that I cannot really appreciate and understand what people of color experience and the impacts of discriminatory behavior others must live with. And so his solution to that was uh, we're going to do a bunch of fake interviews where we have no intention of leaving these people and in a position where we're, we may hire several, but uh, there's going to be a lot of turnover because we're not really going to let them do the things that they should be doing. Or we're going to hire some folks that we know really aren't qualified, so they'll either quit or we'll have to terminate them. And then we can use those continuing interviews to hire yet more people that fit into the same bill. And yes, you're a person of color, or you're a woman, or better yet, you're a woman of color. Or better yet, yet, you're a trans woman of color. And, you know, how much do you know about the financial world? It doesn't matter. We want to fire you within a few months because then we can hire someone else just like you. And then we can say that we doubled the number of fill-in-the-blank wherever you may fall in the hierarchy of the intersectionality coalition. We can double the number of folks like that we've hired because, you know, we did hire you. We had no intentions of letting you actually impact our business in any meaningful way. But we want to be able to claim on the website and actually be able to show documentation that these people have been hired. All at the same time, we're going to continue to push ESG scores. We're going to continue to push this idea, this notion, and don't think for a second that the Biden economy isn't a big part of this. You will own nothing and you will like it. I mean, that's what the Davos crowd's been telling us for a little while now. That's what Build Back Better actually meant. You know, for all of Biden's boasting about reducing the deficit, which is dubious claim at best, if he had gotten everything he wanted in his Build Back Better plan, there's no way there would have been a reduction in deficit spending. He would have... We would be too far gone. Gas prices would already be over $8 a gallon. There's no doubt about it. You can try to deny it all you want to, Janet Yellen. You can say, well, I was mistaken all you want to. But you're lying. You were not mistaken. You knew exactly what was going to happen. This is literally your field of expertise. If Janet Yellen told you, and uh, by the way, she did, that she doesn't see the trajectory of the economy going into recession, then she was just lying. 
This recession is the doing of this administration, plain and simple. Plain and simple. There's, there's no question. It's simple, basic economics. You do not have to be an economics expert to clearly see that if you start attacking the energy sector, you're asking for trouble. If you continue to just start giving money away to people that are not earning anything, that are not creating and building wealth, but are just having cash handed to them, you're going to exacerbate that problem. It's going to be really good for folks like Amazon and Walmart.com there for a minute or two. But after that, it's going to start getting really tricky for everybody. And it will be everybody. This is what we're facing. This is what we're looking at right now. And we still have denials from folks who know better, who knew better before they did it. If you believe for a second that not one of those people didn't know what was going to happen, then you're far too gullible, my friend. I get accused of being gullible and of being Pollyannish on multiple occasions because I still want to believe that most people are still generally good and that most people that are on the other side of the political uh, philosophy have simply just been misled and that they can be reasoned with and they can be brought back to sanity. I want to believe that because... I've seen enough people that I I generally think that's the case for most. But I've been called a foolish dreamer. And I'll take that. I if if it comes right down to it if my fatal flaw is I believe a little too much in humanity, I'm prepared to live with that. I that is a mistake that I'm willing to make. I am prepared to err on the side of humanity. I am That is a hill that I will die on. And chances are that will be the hill that I do die on because while I'm uh, trusting in most humanity, the worst examples of humanity will show up and be what, (laughs) what will be the death of me. I have no doubt about that either. The fact that we are... Getting to talk about a record-setting fine from the SEC because Ernst & Young, one of the big four when it comes to auditors, they had ridiculously rampant cheating on the ethics part of their test. I mean – <laughs> the ethics part. Should we be cheating? I, I, I don't know anything about ethics, so I'm going to say, yes, let's cheat. Because, you know, if I was going to pass the ethics part, I probably wouldn't cheat. So, you know, I kind of answered if I have ethics by taking the ethics test the way I did, right? Perhaps if they had just come clean when they discovered it, you know, the bigwigs, uh, the higher-ups, instead of trying to cover it up, maybe... Maybe they wouldn't be facing this big fine. But then part of me wonders. They do seem to have been towing the party line for what the Democrats are pushing right now. They did seem to be trying to to infuse the realm of the political into our financial markets. And that's certainly nothing new for politicians. So, uh, you know, it's surprising if they ever actually pay this full fine. We'll, we'll see what happens. I 
I say that this story gets talked about for a couple of days and then disappears, and I doubt there will be any legitimate follow-up. I doubt that I'll be able to find anything moving forward. I'm going to kind of be looking for this information moving forward. I would like to know if uh, EY actually uh, pays this fine to the SEC, and if it doesn't somehow end up funneled back to them after the fact. Always follow the money. Follow the money. If you got a question about politics, follow the money. It's not a surprise, though, that folks that are pushing ESGs have trouble with ethics. It's not surprising that anybody involved anywhere in the baking industry has trouble with ethics, quite honestly. Uh, I have mentioned in the past that uh, had an in-depth conversation with a couple of former bankers. They had to get out because they they couldn't sleep at night anymore. They couldn't look at themselves in the mirror. They saw multiple occasions that people had uh, funds coming into the bank that had been scheduled. They saw it the day before, but they would still hold those incoming funds until a bill hit putting accounts into the negative, accounts that should not have been in the negative, accounts that had that money waiting to go in, but they would intentionally wait for the negatives to go so they could charge the fee. This was common practice. This is probably a common practice wherever you bank. You've probably seen this happen in your account. This is considered ethical behavior at the bank, which is why we've often commented about the difference between professional ethics and personal ethics. There's a lot of things that are considered to be per, uh, professional ethics in certain industries that are pretty dead gum, low ball, low down, dirty dog behavior when it comes to the realm of personal ethics. It's it's just not it's not surprising. Here we are in the land of Gilead, where we are. Living the hands made sale. <clears throat> and so far it looks an awful lot like the America I have known and loved for a long time. So anyway, that's going to have to be it for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for staying with me, especially if you listened to the podcast and were here for the full two hours. Thank you so very much. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth don't forget to come find tap into the truth over at locals.com join the tap into the truth community and uh, become part of the community we're building Uh, and uh, you know again one last message for joseph robinette biden jr this is tim tap let's go
is using both hands. Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep. To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep. Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family Using both hands. I, I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions.